I generally convert somewhere around 25%, 30% on a good month. Uh, and so I should be able to pull at a minimum three closings out of the uh, out of those incoming leads every month. And so with those three closings, uh, I should have an average of about $45,000 uh, uh, of gross commission income. Uh, and then subtracting out my costs puts me somewhere around twenty dollars to $25,000 in net income on a monthly basis. Uh, so at the moment, I'm doubling, uh, doubling what I spend uh, as far as gross, and I'm, I'm essentially making whatever I spend in net. So, um, and that's, I would say that's at the, the, that's the minimum. If I'm not doing at, if I'm not doing that, I'm doing something wrong. Welcome back, real estate rock stars. Today we have Christian Koenig in the house. He is a real estate rock stars mastermind homie from this past year's event. He's out of Boise, Idaho. And what Christian is um, really interesting, I think, to most agents is that Christian puts $20,000 per month into Zillow leads as a solo agent, just him, no assistance, nothing. And he doubles that in income per month. So today what we're going to dig into with Christian is we're going to talk a lot about paid marketing because there's, again, in this industry, there's like this stigma almost against paying for leads. So we're going to dig into that. We're going to dig into how to convert cold leads, much different than warm leads. And Christian is going to teach us how he keeps a super tight budget throughout all of that. So Christian, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Dude, I'm stoked um, to talk about all of that. But first, we have to give a little background. So take us through a little bit before you got into real estate and we'll go from there. Yeah. So um, real quick, I've got mostly a mechanical engineering background. I spent six years in the military. Uh, I was a fighter jet mechanic for that time. Got out of the military in 2012 and transitioned over to a government contractor. Did uh, a lot of mechanical engineering stuff for them. Built rocket motors for seven years um, and then had the kind of the fortunate, um, uh, got lucky. The company was laying everybody off. It took quite some time. And so it gave me a lot of time to really think about where I wanted to go next. Um, <clears throat> knowing that that, that path wasn't going to continue down, uh, with aerospace, just being difficult to follow around. And, and obviously, uh, you know, kind of that, that ceiling, I was only making, you know, I was making as much as I thought that I would probably ever make. And, and that was definitely what pushed me towards real estate. Okay. And then when you got that push towards real estate, how did getting started in this industry, what did that look like for you? Um, so I actually went through everything. I was living in California at the time, uh, Northern California had worked through all my stuff to get my real estate license out there. And, uh, Lo and behold, I've been working on moving to Boise, Idaho for about five years. It took me a long, long five years to convince my wife to agree to the move. Um, and she finally, finally agreed. So we moved out to Idaho in 2019 and uh, living in an Airbnb for six weeks before we got into our house, went and took all of my courses, uh, which as most people know, generally don't take that long. So it was about two weeks, take a couple tests and uh, about August of 2019, uh, officially get my license uh, in the state of Idaho to sell real estate. And at that point, you're licensed, you decided to join a team, join which brokerage? What did that look like your first year? So I figured I'd just wing it. Um, and that's <clears throat> naturally, <laughs> that is legitimately what I did. Um, I did, I did put some, some time and effort into the brokerage that I joined. I wanted a place that had some training, obviously not knowing the industry as, as well as I uh, wanted to, I wanted to be around folks that were willing to share some of that knowledge. So uh, I believe that was a pretty important stepping stone for me. Um, I got pretty lucky right out of the gate. I got to the brokerage and um, that first week that I had my license, I picked up an open house from another agent uh, and I landed a cash buyer. They wandered through midday and uh, we wrote an offer and 30 days later closed that transaction. So I thought it was going to be a cakewalk. I really did. I, I uh, most other things in life have come easy for me on the mechanical side of things. Uh, and so I just figured that this would be, uh, you know, par for the course. I was just rolling in. I'd do some open houses, sell some properties, not spend any money and, and you know, all would be right in the world. So uh, the harsh reality of what selling real estate is definitely set in over the next 
probably six months. Uh, and so that closing was in September of 2019. Uh, and I did nothing <laughs> closing wise for like the next six months. Um, definitely a lot of explaining to do for my, you know, with my wife. And, uh, and that was where I really started to dive into, okay, I don't have a sphere here. I don't know a ton of folks. Um, you know, my kids aren't, I don't have kids that are in school, so I don't have that, you know, I'm not sitting at the soccer field in the evening talking to everybody else, seeing who wants to sell their home. So I started looking into paid marketing. It just, uh, you know, had a decent savings at the time. And I figured, okay, this seems like something I could get on with. And, um, <clears throat> and that was kind of my foray into Zillow. <laughs> okay. So you started out, you did one open house, you got one closing, and then were you still doing open houses throughout that six month drive period? Like what were you doing in regard to lead gen during that time? I was. And so, um, I actually, I enjoyed doing the open houses. I had an agent at the office that I worked at, uh, that was consistently putting up really good listings. Um, and she liked the way that I handled the open houses and the feedback that I was able to get for. Her. And so I did continue to do open houses. Um, I thought the the open houses would give me an opportunity to have a lot of conversations with people that were thinking about buying homes, um, most of which probably would never work with me, but it gave me an opportunity to talk about real estate, which gave me a lot of comfort and confidence in my abilities over time. And so I wasn't great at pulling leads out of it though. Uh, and so that, you know, it, it translated to some other business down the road, uh, but it wasn't nearly the deal flow that I thought that it was going to be. Uh, and I know everybody has different experiences with that, but it just wasn't fantastic. Uh, and then rolling into the spring of next year is obviously when COVID kicked off. And so I had been doing a ton of open houses and then open houses just disappeared entirely. Damn, COVID gotcha. <laughs> okay. So open house, I mean, it's like, it's kind of a, a good twist of fate for you because I know Zillow is working out really well for you now. But okay, so you went through that little journey, then COVID happened, and then you you switched focuses to paid marketing. Were you all in on Zillow from the beginning, or how did your adventure into paid marketing go? <clears throat> so, uh, I've got a couple. I've got a friend in Sacramento that has run a small team for a long time, uh, super successful real estate agent, and he built. Uh, built most of his success off of Zillow. And he was definitely an early adopter of it, you know, years and years ago when they started their paid lead programs. Um, and so he was one of the first phone calls I made. And he definitely said, hey, you know, he agreed, uh, you know, take a small ad spend, pick a number that's comfortable that you can sustain for a period of time and, and see where it goes. Um, <clears throat> and so it was really just kind of I don't want to say that it was a, it was gambling, but to some extent I was just comfortable with, uh, you know, I'm going to spend X amount of money. If I get this many leads in and I can convert X amount of them, I'll make my money back and have some money left over to keep going. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, not, not gambling, but I, I figured at the moment, nothing else was working and it was, uh, definitely a little bit different landscape with COVID going on. And so getting people on the phone, uh, just seemed like the smart move. Dude, I feel like this is so terrifying for most agents though. Like I don't, the idea of putting money into something without knowing for certain that you're going to make it back. Was that ever like a mental hurdle you had to overcome? Yeah, definitely. And there was, <clears throat> I don't want to, um, don't want to make it seem like I made the decision lightly. I mean, there was a lot of conversations. My wife and I sat down at the time and, and just kind of looked at you know, budget as a whole, hey, if I'm spending this much, how long can we do this if I'm not seeing any closings out of it? Um, and so, you know, a lot of thought was put into it. But at the same time, I kind of, I looked at the grand scheme of things and there's a lot of agents that jump in and jump out. But I was looking at the fact that when you, when you get online and you go to Zillow Premier Agent, you can click on all these zip codes and you can see the agents that are in there. The agents that were in there, I started doing some homework on them and I'm looking up teams, looking up individual agents, they're putting up big numbers. And so my thought is there's no way that these folks are just continually throwing money away, right? Like it's, it, there's gotta be some profitability in here. Obviously skill set needs to be aligned with what you're doing, but it's like anything. I talk to people every day. Uh, you know, there's guys that love pay-per-click leads and there's folks that just kill it on circle prospecting. 
I really do think it boils down to if you're if you're if you're going to go after something, go at it wholeheartedly, understand what you're doing, and put all your effort into making it successful. Uh, and I just I was a hundred percent confident that if I put my time and effort into it, that I was able that I'd be able to convert those leads and make some money. Here's a quick commercial break from our sponsor, Ryan Pineda. If you are trying to grow your real estate investing business, then you need to join us at Wealthy Investor. You have no idea what Wealthy Investor is. It is our coaching program and community. We have helped thousands of students worldwide grow their business. Now, it doesn't matter if you're just getting started and you're trying to get that first deal. We can help you do that. If you're trying to scale your business and go from a few deals a year to a few deals a month or even seven figures a year, we can help you do that too. In fact, last year alone, we had over 30 students do over a million dollars in revenue. And I'd love for you to be the next one. So it's pretty simple. If you're trying to grow your business and wholesale more homes or flip more homes or buy more rental properties, then you need to go to wealthyinvestor.com and book a free call with our team. It's super simple. We'll go on a strategy call with you and figure out how we can help you grow according to your needs. So all you got to do is go to wealthyinvestor.com, book the free call with the team, and we'll see you there. Now back to the show. Your confidence. That's the, that's the part that I think that if I was listening to this, I would struggle with because it's easy to look at other people and see that they have success, but it's like not until you do it, at least for me, until I do it and I experience it that I really believe have that proof of concept. But so let's, can we take it back a little bit and talk about like really granular if, you know, how you started out, you made the decision and you mentioned, you know, looking at your budget and picking an ad spend that you're comfortable with. Can we talk about that piece, how to pick, how much to do? Definitely. Um, <clears throat> so a couple things, so a couple things come into play for me and I'm sure probably similar for most people. And, uh, at the top of that is like, what are you taking home from a closing? Um, and so, you know, if you're paying big ads, if you're paying, if you're on a team, you're probably not paying for your own Zillow ad spend. You're probably getting that paid for by the team, but let's say you've got a pretty decent brokerage split. You've got to cover at some point. Um, need to figure out how many closings you need to make in order to cover your ad spend. And so if you take, for example, so our, our area, if you're collecting three, you know, let's call it, <clears throat> let's call it 3% on a 15 uh, or $500,000 transactions, putting $15,000 in your pocket. Um, in my instance, I don't have a brokerage split. Luckily, uh, we have a fantastic brokerage in our area that doesn't have any fees. Uh, and so I'm taking all of that home. So in the beginning, I figured I'll spend 1500 bucks a month. At the time, they tell you, okay, if you're spending X amount, it is supposed to give you X amount of incoming phone calls. And at that time, it was four. Um, on the very low end, Zillow expects people to convert at 10%. And I would say that is very, very low. If you've got any skill within re real estate, you should be able to convert uh, you know, at least 15 to 20%. But let's just call it 10 that means you're averaging two months before you get a closing. Uh, let's call it eight leads in those two months. Um, and if you're at 10%, that's roughly one closing. So if you're spending 1500 bucks a month and it takes you two months to get a closing, your cost is $3,000. So if you're bringing in 15 grand off of that, you should have a decent profit in there. And if you're taking 12 and you still have a brokerage split, let's call it you know, 30%, um, you still have a decent profit inside of uh, in decent margins to, to bring some profit in at the end of the month. Um, and that was kind of what it worked out for me at the time. I wasn't doing a huge conversion. It was, it was probably somewhere around 10%. Um, and it definitely took some time to get going. Um, the other side of that picture, and I think this is probably more important than the, than anything else is making sure that you can sustain that ad spend for a period of time. And I'd, you know, pick an arbitrary number, I'd call it six months. Um, I really think that you, you can't make an accurate determination as to whether or not something is profitable or viable until you hit at least a six month mark. Um, one, two, three months, it's just not enough time to tell. Uh, and <clears throat> my experience with Zillow leads is a lot of them are somewhere in that 30 day to six month time period for conversion. 
there are some stragglers that will end up in that, you know, that, that further out time frame, uh, And you'll get some that'll call you up and, and you'll write an offer that week for them. But if you're somewhere between 30 days and six months and you call it quits after two months, you didn't give it enough time to see if those other folks were going to convert. And so I think six months is a very important thing. So don't pick a number that you can't afford for that period of time. Okay. So if I'm listening to this and I would like to get into Zillow, um, so step one would be to determine, well, before researching other agents, before getting buy-in and determining this is the thing that you want to do, um, determine your comfort level on ad spend. So by breaking down how much you get per closing and how many months you could sustain at a certain ad spend in order to make that back. Did I say that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially just, you've got to pick a, you've got to pick a budget that's comfortable for you. I wouldn't, uh, you know, if you've got $20,000 in a savings account, um, you know, I wouldn't go out of the gate spending five or $6,000 a month on Zillow. Cause that just, you know, let's just assume it's three or four months before you get your first closing. You're going to, you're going to bleed yourself dry on, on funds before you get to that point. Now, if you did say a $2,000 budget, uh, <clears throat> at six months, that's 12 grand. You could go the entire six months without a closing, which I don't think is, is likely, but that you could go that entire time. You could give it the amount of time that I think it needs in order to show how successful it can be. And you're not getting uncomfortable. And I think, especially when it comes to money and spending money on leads, everybody gets the less money you have in your bank account, the more nervous you're going to become, the more likely it is that you're going to pull back and say, Hey, I'm done. I'm not going to give this a, another shot. Um, and so I do think picking a number that you're comfortable with, look at it instead of looking at it at a monthly basis, look at it as a six month chunk, commit to it for six months. So understand what that, that cost is going to be for that six month time frame, and, and get comfortable with that number, not the monthly number. Cause if you're basing all your decisions off of the monthly number, you're a whole lot more likely to bail out of that. Uh, you're not you're not looking at it as a as a chunk of time. You're going, okay, I can quit at any time. And I think if you give yourself an out the first time that you see uh, a reason to need that out, you're going to take it. Total human nature. Um, yep. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> we picked a budget. Um, picking a zip code. <clears throat> yeah. So don't do what I did when I first started. Um, I just went on and <laughs> I was like, that looks good. I'll pick that one. Um, I really didn't put any thought into it when I first jumped in. Uh, I think to the extent, the thought that I put into it was was mostly, hey, that zip code's available, I'll take it. Um, at the time, there wasn't much availability. It's definitely, in my experience, a little bit easier to find zip codes these days. I think on average, I'll look every other week, I hop on and I just, I keep an eye on you know, hey, is more stuff opening up? Are they, you know, I want to know that they're keeping things fairly well sold out because if I'm spending X amount of money and then all of a sudden there's a ton of availability, I've got, you know, I'm going to renegotiate what I'm spending. Um, but I would pick, your price is going to be dependent on your average price point for the, for the zip code. So, you know, if you've got in our area, Eagle, Idaho is kind of the, the high end, fancier part of town. You're going to spend way more money per lead in that area than you would in, say, a place like Nampa, where your cost, uh, you know, your average sale price is, is half of that in Eagle. So um, definitely don't go for the highest. And I probably wouldn't go for the lowest. I fall somewhere right in the middle. Um, my area is average price points just over half a million. Um, I think that it's a great place for me. I like working with first time home buyers. And so, uh, the thought that I put into it now is I get a lot of those phone calls. I get a lot of first time home buyers. And so I've stuck with the zip code that I ended up on. Um, but also if it's not working out, feel free to move zip codes. You can continue your ad spend shift into a different zip code and see what the phone numbers are like. Um, probably one big tip for picking a zip code that I think everybody needs to keep in mind is if you have and all, all everybody's areas are going to be different. We've got some places in town that will consistently have fairly cheap land listings uh, or some fairly cheap mobile home listings. Um, I've gotten burnt a couple times on those because you'll get a ton of phone calls coming in because 
your average price points half a million and you've got a property that's listed for 200,000 and all of a sudden you keep getting a bunch of phone calls. And unfortunately, those are just, in my experience, generally not quality leads. Uh, it's somebody that sees something that may be affordable uh, for their budget, but realistically, they're just, you know, they're difficult things to sell, probably not going to be qualified. So if there's stuff like that, I would definitely avoid those zip codes. You mentioned if the zip code isn't working out to shift into a different zip code, but yep. there's also the stick to it for six months, commit yeah. to it. So where's the balance? How do I know if a zip code's working or not? So I would say exactly, uh, very much to my last point, if you're getting a bunch of phone calls and, um, you know, it's just, it's bogus. Hey, there's, there's some land listings. You're getting a bunch of phone calls on. They're not real, you know, they're not real solid leads. And I think anybody that's, you know, done real estate for any period of time, like you, you get, you start to get an idea of what a, you know, a realistic lead looks like somebody that actually has, you know, is there in, you know, is there a desire? What's the, you know, what's their driving factor for moving? Um, you start picking apart those things. You can tell if you've got a viable lead, so if you get into a zip code and you start getting a bunch of like, hey, these are just like, this is not a real lead. This is not a real lead. Like these people are not buying a home. That's when I'd say maybe shift and, and try something different. Um, <clears throat> or if you're in a price point that you don't feel comfortable servicing, uh, you know, if you're getting a bunch of phone calls for $2 million homes and you've never sold a house before, uh, maybe that clientele is a little bit difficult to deal with. You don't have the confidence to handle them maybe that's a good reason to shift into a zip code with a price point that you're more comfortable, uh, you know, working with. So, um, I would say there's a fine line between, you know, just throwing that hail Mary and say, we're going for it and making educated decisions and, and, and saying, Hey, look, like, I think this is working, but if I tweak this, maybe it will work better. And that would be the point where I'd probably say, shift your money into a different zip code and, and give that a go. And if you're out there listening, you're like, oh, I don't know what, what that balance is. Just reach out to Christian. <laughs> I did not ask him if it's okay to say this, but you should just reach out to Christian. <laughs> yeah. Which, anybody has questions. Yeah. Which we're going to drop all of his contact information <clears throat> later. But like, I, I know how it feels to be, you know, feeling around in the dark almost. You're like, I don't know what's right. I don't know what to expect. Am I crazy? And so just having someone to bounce, hey, is this normal? What do you think about this? What would you do? Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Christian's a good dude. Hit Absolutely. him up. But let's say, okay, Christian, so at this point, I have given some thought to my budget and my, I've committed to six months. I've picked a zip code based on the guidance that you just gave. What else should I consider in the setup process? Um, so a couple things that I do personally, um, and Zillow, when you sign up for Zillow above above a certain ad spend. And I don't know the number exactly. It's pretty low. Like you don't have to get, you don't have to spend much. They basically put you in touch with like a business consultant and they're for all intents and purposes, their sales, their sales associates for Zillow. Like their goal is to slowly increase your ad spend, um, which respect the hustle. I totally understand it, but they're a wealth of knowledge. Um, and so use those guys, ask your questions. They'll get you set up. Um, they'll kind of run you through the process. A couple things that I do differently. So Zillow rolled out a premier agent app a couple years ago. I believe it was a couple years ago. Um, and they have it set up. So it comes over as like a voice over IP phone call. And so that phone call would come through the app. So my experience with it has been poor. And so I disabled that you have the option on the back end. Uh, and this is, I guess, kind of in the nitty gritty, but I think this is a very important part of it. What I do is I save Zillow's phone number. So it's always the same phone number you get your leads from. What I do is I save Zillow's phone number on iPhone. I'm sure on Android, there's an option. You can go into a contact and you can set an emergency bypass. And so what that does is it means that anytime that contact calls you, whether your phone's on vibrate do not disturb any of those things. It will always ring with the same ringtone, regardless of what your phone settings are. So that's what I do. And I think that has been a huge help for me and my success over the years. Because if your phone's on vibrate and it's sitting on the counter and you miss a phone call, there goes a lead. Now, you don't necessarily lose it, but you do that enough times throughout the month and you're probably going to get less leads just because <clears throat> the more phone calls you miss, the less chance you have to rise to the top of that pond to get your phone call. So 
uh, that would be one of the first things. Um, and then obviously find your preferred app that you're going to use when you get a phone call to pull up the property and get property details. So, uh, for me, I just use homes. Uh, I think it was home snap. Now it's homes.com. Uh, I use their app. It's quick. It's simple. It gives me the, all I'm really looking for are agent notes so that I can make a determination as to whether or not I can commit to a showing time if a property is vacant or if I need to say, Hey, look, we got to get this scheduled with homeowners. Um, so set a bypass. So that phone number always rings through. You don't want to be missing a phone call because you're sitting there and your phone's on your desk. And then also have a preferred app that you're going to use to get details for the house while you're on the phone. Quick pause. Are you looking for new ways to lead generate? Aaron built his own software to generate off-market seller leads and just released a version for you. PropHawk is the most efficient and least expensive software out there designed to get you talking to sellers within minutes. With all the data of PropStream, the CRM power of InvestorFuse, and texting capabilities of launch control, you can get everything in one system for a fraction of the price of those others. Your investment is just 20 bucks a month and includes an hour-long free onboarding call so you start talking with sellers today. Go to prophawk.com and sign up. Now back to the show. Yeah, the the preferred app so it bypasses, that's a really freaking good note for anyone, especially if you're working with cold leads, because the the way you you know gave the example, Christian, you were talking about how impactful it is for you with Zillow to make sure that you rise to the top of like the agent pool. But the flip side of that is like speed to lead is insanely important for the client as well. And there's some some insane stat that I'm not even gonna butcher. But like if you do not answer or immediately and connect with that client within five minutes of their initial reach out, it's you're almost guaranteed to never connect with them. So, 100%. so important across all um, different ways of marketing. Homesnap slash homes.com. How much is that? Is it a paid app? It's free. It's no, free. it's, it's, yeah, it's free. They have home. It's changed. I mean, the homes app doesn't seem to be as good. Um, Homesnap had some upgraded stuff for a while, but no, you just sign up for the homes.com pro account. Um, I don't know if this is standard across all MLSs, but for ours with the pro account, you can see uh, sales history. Um, Idaho's a non-disclosure state, so you can't see sales history, price changes, and things like that on standard apps like Zillow, uh, like consumer-based apps. Um, but then you've also got uh, agent remarks, which that's the most important thing for me when I get on the phone call. Um, you know, having agent remarks is is important. You know, do we need 24 hours to schedule? Is it tenant? Uh, you know, is there a tenant in there? Do we need? You know, is it listing agent to show only things like that? I'm just looking for anything that might derail me and and uh, as far as trying to get an appointment scheduled. Perfect. So at this point, you have the budget, you have the zip code. The other things that you wanted to make sure were locked on before going live essentially is your emergency bypass so you don't miss a phone call and having that quick quick reference to get information about the home. So yeah. at this point, um, can you walk us through your journey with Zillow? You started out at $1,500 a month. What did that result in? And then the growth in your ad spend over time? So, yeah, so I started out with 1500 and this was, I think, let's call it seven or eight months after I'd got my real estate license, um, just hadn't done a ton of business, really looking for something that would uh, get me consistent incoming, you know, I would call them warm leads. Um, and so I did the 1500 for about six months and it wasn't bad. It was, uh, I would say by all metrics, it was a, it was a great success. Um, it was still a little nerve wracking, like, you know, wrapping my head around spending that money every month, knowing that I had to do the work in order to convert and and bring in some profit. Um, but I really started to get the hang of things somewhere around that fourth or fifth month. Uh, and I was able to churn out quite a few closings uh, in that time frame. Um, when COVID kicked off, a lot of people, and I think you know, in general across the country, a lot of people pulled back real estate wise ad spend. Um, and same thing happened with Zillow. Zillow actually came in and they credited everybody a, a free month. Um, and at the time I had just started to see some success with it. And I said, you know, if they're crediting everybody a free month, 
ad spend costs went down significantly. I said, I'm going to double my money and see what happens. Uh, I said, worst case scenario, I lose a few bucks. So I went from 1500 to 3000 and I ran that all the way through, oh, I want to say October that year. Um, and it was good. I didn't put a ton of thought into my zip codes. And so that was the one zip code I jumped into. And the reason I brought up the, the kind of the price point, um, one of the zip codes I jumped into was a higher price point. And I very quickly noticed that I was maybe a little bit underskilled to tend to those clients. And so although I was able to convert one and made a, a fantastic commission off of it, I felt like some of those clients, most of those clients were on their second, third, fourth, fifth home. I felt like a lot of those clients knew possibly more about the process than I did. And so um, <clears throat> I was able to make some money off of it. Uh, I kept the other zip code. I moved around a couple times. Uh, and then at the end of the year, I jumped onto a team. Um, I had a mentor at the time. They were having a kid that January and they wanted some help. So um, I jumped onto the team. They had had some poor experience with Zillow in the past. Um, but I was able to convince them to sign up for a small ad spend. And um, we ran with that for about two years uh, and they kept it going the whole time. It was profitable for them. It was profitable for me. It was, I want to say about 75% of my closings for the entire time I was with them were, were Zillow leads, incoming Zillow leads. Um, and then October of 2022, I got off of their team uh, I just kind of got to the point where I figured, you know, they're spending X amount of money on Zillow leads. I can do the same. Um, <clears throat> and so I got off the team in October. It took me about two months to kind of put together a business plan and figure out exactly where I wanted to spend my money. Uh, and so I signed up for the same zip code that we were doing on the team uh, with an ad spend of about $4,000. And I ran with that through Christmas into... I want to say February of, of 23. Um, and it was just, it was better than I ever could have imagined. I mean, I, I, I knew that, you know, I knew what I was doing. My confidence was there. I knew if I did the, you know, if I did the steps, the, the conversions would come. Uh, but it was just like, I mean, every phone call come in, boom, go show a house. Awesome. Pre-approved writing offers. I had one month where, I converted all but one of the incoming leads for that month. Um, and so <clears throat> I kind of, more than anything, I got curious. I, I kind of thought like, at what point does the, does this not make sense anymore? And I kind of, I thought, let's throw a few bucks at it. So actually while we were at the mastermind in March uh, down in Texas, I got a phone call from my rep um, and doubled my ad spend to about $10,000. And that was in March. So uh, for about three or four months, I did the $10,000 ad spend and it was the same thing. Uh, fantastic leads coming in, quick conversions. I had one one lead come in and it was a Sunday phone call and, and we closed a cash purchase on Friday uh, of that week. So, you know, just... What a dream. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So um, it was really good. And, and, and I guess curiosity got the best of me and I, I said, okay, let's let's see you know, I'm, I'm doing fantastic off of 10. Is there a point of diminishing returns here? And so I doubled my ad spend again in, uh, in June, late June, and I went to 20,000. Um, and for me as a solo agent, that was definitely, uh, that's the, I think that's the ceiling. I don't know that yeah. I would ever spend, I don't know that I would spend another dime uh, just because at this point, it's gotten more difficult to service the leads at the level that I think that it takes in order to convert them at a really high rate. And so uh, I've actually seen a very small drop off in my conversion rate. And I think a lot of that is just because with more leads coming in, I'm not able to focus uh, and spend as much time with the other leads in order to get them converted. And so those more difficult ones that I think I would have converted six months ago are probably you know, they're probably falling to the bottom of the bucket and, and not getting converted or getting missed.
Real quick, before we get back to the episode, two things I wanted to share. First, thank you so much for tuning in week after week. It really means the world to all of us. Second, we feel like we're just getting started. If you enjoy what we do here, please follow us on this app, share an episode, or give us a quick review. I promise we're working hard behind the scenes to make this show as good as possible now and into the future. Thanks guys, back to the show. Okay, so it sounds like the fifteen hundred to three grand to four grand, it's it was good, but it wasn't like fantastic. And then when you hit that four grand mark all the way up until probably a little under twenty is like, let's go. Like yes. this is great, fantastic leads. And then when you hit that twenty, that's where you're like, okay, a little too much with it just being me without the assistance, without all the things. So yes. can, can we give, I, w- I want to give listeners like a real idea of what that means. So when you, you know, you've mentioned that, you know, the numbers were good, it was good, but like, can we attach dollars to two yeah. things? Can we attach the number of leads coming in, the number of closings and like what that equated to financially? Yeah. So um, as far as income, so there's two types and I'll clarify this before we go on, just cause the second type of lead is much more difficult. So you've got a, a direct connection from Zillow, which is like, that's cream of the crop. That's what you want. Um, those are your folks that click the button to tour a property and set up a tour. They come through as a phone call. You get onto the phone with them, you schedule an appointment and you go show a house. Um, those are direct connections. You've got nurture leads, which Essentially, nurture leads are when somebody reaches out, they click the button, but then when they're reached out to Zillow makes that phone call or sends that text message or email, they don't respond. And so they kind of go into a bucket. I think Zillow tries to reach out to them a couple more times. And then at a certain point, they just get tossed out to other agents uh, as nurture leads. So those are very much more difficult to convert, in my opinion. So um, as far as direct connections, with my ad spend, I average somewhere around 13 or 14 phone calls per month. Um, <clears throat> and so to consider, I mean, and the cost of things has changed, right? So in the very beginning, I was spending 1500 bucks a month and it was four phone calls a month. So it's, it's definitely not linear. Um, but with those 12, uh, I generally convert somewhere around 25%, 30% on a good month. Uh, and so I should be able to pull at a minimum three closings out of the uh, out of those incoming leads every month. And so with those three closings, uh, I should have an average of about $45,000 uh, uh, of gross commission income. Uh, and then subtracting out my costs puts me somewhere around twenty dollars to $25,000 in net income on a monthly basis. Uh, so at the moment, I'm doubling, uh, doubling what I spend uh, as far as gross, and I'm, I'm essentially making whatever I spend in net. So, um, and that's, I would say that's at the, the, that's the minimum. If I'm not doing at, if I'm not doing that, I'm doing something wrong. Uh, and so obviously I think, you know, if, if, if conversion starts to fall off, there's something that's being missed on my side. And I want to make, so one other point too, to, to keep in mind it's a statistics game, right? So like it's, it's numbers at the end of the day, I, I want to say you can, you've got to get enough incoming leads to get through some of, you got to be able to sift through the lower, you know, sometimes you get guys, the, you know, folks that call in, they're just, they want to complain. They saw something online. They didn't like it. You got somebody that calls in, they think they're getting a hold of the listing agent, can't get around it. They know what they're doing. They don't want to deal with you. You've got to have enough incoming leads that those get filtered out. Um, and so when I say, when I said earlier, like, look at things at a, in a six month, like look at it as a six month cost, look at it as a, uh, you know, if you're getting four leads a month to, for six months, that's 24 leads, look at it as a, as a bulk. Don't look at it in a micro and that monthly, cause you may, if you're only getting four leads a month, you may get three really bad leads that month. It's just the way that it falls. I've had plenty of times where I go two weeks and I haven't had like a really solid lead, but then the next two weeks could be fantastic leads left and right. And so I really try to not focus down or get too concerned with, hey, last week I got two really bad leads. I'm not going to get bummed out about it. Is it frustrating? Absolutely. But I try to look at it in a, in a very macro, uh, you know, hey, over this past six months, how have things gone? Um, and really focus on that. 
For those three closings per month, roughly, um, how much of that are, are all of those closings coming from those direct connections that you received maybe like the month before? Or like how many do you think it comes from your own follow-up? Like, are you consistently following up with these, the ones that trickled off and end up in your CRM and aren't hot? Or are you like only relying on the hot? So, and one of the biggest things that I'm working on for 2024, and uh, obviously not to skip ahead, but one of the biggest things I'm working on for next year is is long-term follow-up so that I can catch those people that do start to sift down to the bottom of the pile. Uh, And that is where and I guess, you know, everybody's got different thresholds. Like, you know, some people hear, hey, 12 leads come in. Uh, you know, that's not that much. You should be able to keep up with all those folks. Um, but getting out, showing homes, I don't run a transaction coordinator. I do it all myself. Uh, I like to have control of all that stuff. Some of the less hot leads definitely do trickle down to the bottom. So next year, I'm, I'm focusing huge on on automating some of that follow-up, but also being better at at, you know, contacting those people and, and bringing them back up to the top of the pile. I would say for the past 12 months, it has definitely been more of a, you know, kind of uh, converting the folks that definitely rise to the top. And I am pretty good at telling right off the bat who those folks are um, and pouring into them consistently, showing homes, sending homes over, you know, having those conversations, finding out what their pain points are, how do we work past them? Um, and, uh, but I do have plenty of people that, you know, they kind of flounder around for six months and do their thing and, and, you know, they're hitting an open house on the weekend and we'll talk every couple of weeks. And then, you know, lo and behold, here they go, they call and they, you know, they've got a house that they, they want to go check a, take a look at and, and write an offer. So, um, they're definitely not all getting lost, but yeah, I definitely have been <laughs> focusing Dude, on the folks that rise to the top. Yeah. The reason why I ask is because for the amount of like, you know, leads essentially that you're getting, I feel like there's so much more money that is sitting in your CRM right now. Like a there's a ton, ton a ton of money. Ton. Uh, yep. Absolutely. <laughs> conversation for another day, but what, what's up? No, you're hundred percent correct. And that's, yeah. that's been my realization over the, over the past six months is, is realizing that, okay, if I'm doing as well as I'm doing with what I've got set up for backend, you know, keeping in contact with people, if I can increase that skill set and, and, and figure that side of it out, like, you know, could I get to a 40% conversion rate? I mean, is that realistic? And I think it is. Totally. Um, 100%. It's yes. Yeah. Which yeah. Yeah. I also think is, is why it's a great, uh, you know, you don't have to be a master at everything in order. Like if you just stay on top of the folks that rise to the top, there's plenty of money to be made in Zillow. And obviously the more nitty gritty you get into and, uh, the more follow up and all that stuff. Like if you're dialed in on all that stuff, there's absolutely no reason you shouldn't be able to succeed, uh, you know, incredibly with Zillow leads. Oh my God, so much money. Okay. Um, Christian, I don't know where the time's going, but we still have two more topics and this is you normally when I wrap Ooh. up, uh, <laughs> but okay. I want to make sure that we touch on converting the cold leads. Cause I know you have like a super interesting strategy of when you're on the phone. And I also want to make sure we talk a little bit about your budget, but first, so what do you do when those Zillow phone calls come in, you get the direct connection from Zillow. How do you, these people don't know you at all. You know, they have no connection to you. They're like, every agent is the same. How are you grabbing them in holding them in a way that you convert? <clears throat> so the, so when a lead comes in, they click on, they're on Zillow's app. They click on tour property. They click on, uh, there's a couple buttons that will prompt Zillow to reach out to them. So at the same time that Zillow is reaching out to them, they're calling an agent to get an agent on the line. So um, what ends up happening is, you know, I pick up the phone, they run you through the property. I look it up real quick. All of this, you know, in a matter of like 30 seconds, the prospect prospective client is on the phone. And then the Zillow concierge, just an automated voice message. that just says, Hey, you know, we're connecting you to Zillow premier agent now. So at that point, I generally got a good idea. The property I wanted, you know, I know whether or not uh, I need to schedule a showing. And that's the most important thing for me is just knowing whether or not I need to schedule a showing. If it's vacant and we just go take a look at it. Awesome. 
So um, I answer the phone. I just, hey, this is Christian Koenig with Koenig Real Estate. I see that you've got a property on, uh, you know, on XYZ Drive pulled up. Um, when did you want to go take a look at it? Uh, and that's how I answer every single phone call that comes in. I don't change. Uh, I don't change anything. I keep it really, really simple. That way, if I'm out with my family and I step away for two seconds, it's not something I've got to think about. I answer the phone the same way. Um, it's not a strategy that I came up with. And I had a guy talk to me about this years ago. Uh, it took me some time before I truly believed it. Um, and I, I definitely tried other things that didn't seem to work. But my goal, my, my sole goal when I'm on the phone with an incoming Zillow lead is to set up an appointment to show them a home. Nothing more, nothing less. I don't want to know what their history is. I don't, you know, if some things prompt me to ask questions and dig a little bit, I will. But I'm not interested in whether or not they're pre-qualified. I'm not interested in whether or not they own their, you know, the home that they're currently living in. I don't care if it's a husband, a wife, uh, you know, if it's a single person. Like I'm not interested in any of those details. I'm simply interested in getting them to an to agree to an appointment so that we can go sit down uh, or go look at a house and talk things over. Um, one of the best, one of my leading conversion metrics is is getting face-to-face -face with a client. And I'm a very strong you know, believer that if I can get face-to-face -face with a client, I can earn your trust enough that you'll want to work with me in the long term. Um, and so what I don't want to do on the phone is give them any reason to say no to an appointment. Uh, and that's generally what happens when you start getting into, uh, you know, you start getting into the weeds of Hey, do you have any questions? I used to say to people before I got off the phone, do you have any other questions? Uh, and I cannot tell you how many times I totally just tanked an entire phone call off of, do you have any other questions? Oh yeah, I do. Boom. They don't like the answer. Now they don't want to look over. at the property and now we don't have a reason to get together. And I'm just sitting there like beating my, my phone against the wall, uh, you know, going, how did I screw that up? So it's, it seems counterintuitive, but the less information I have about them on the phone, the better. As long as they've got a pulse and they can get themselves over to a house, that's that's all I'm looking for. So um, that uh, that's that's all I would focus on. It it, uh, it seems counterintuitive, but it really really works. And very rarely will I get somebody that you know if they want to go see a house. Very rarely do I get on the phone and and not end that phone call in, uh, in an appointment. And so, um, one thing I have changed verbiage wise over the years is I used to say, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Let me get a hold of the listing agent and I'll, I'll get this scheduled. Uh, I now just say, Hey, if the property is occupied, great. Awesome. I'm going to work on two o'clock. I got to get a hold of the sellers and just make sure that that's a good time for them. If it isn't, is there a time that works for you before or after that? And I can get that time set up. Awesome. Great. Do you want a text message or phone call for confirmation? Boom, done. Off the phone, I will text people as soon as I get off the phone, give them my phone number and my contact information so they've got it. I'll get the thing scheduled. I usually, if it's, you know, if it's vacant and I can get it, I'll give it 20 or 30 minutes. I'll shoot them a text message back and let them know we're good to go. Um, but the sole goal on that phone call is to get in front of them, appointment scheduled, get in front of them. Okay. Perfect. So literally just when did you want to go take a look at XYZ property? Um, and then you mentioned confirming, hey, text or phone call for confirmation. And then what else? Is there any other follow-ups that you do before you actually go to the appointment? Reminders, check-ins? No. Un yes and no. If it's a couple days out, which is is a rarity, usually it's most of the showings are within 24 hours. I would say 75%, maybe a little bit more are within some or two hours from now. Like those are the difficult ones. Like, all right, I got to scramble. But if it's close, I'm not going to reach out again. If it's the next day, I'm not going to reach out again. Uh, it's the same, same scenario, I guess, as, as the phone call with them originally is the more opportunity you give somebody to back out of something, the, the more chances that that is to happen. And so I have had times where I, you know, Hey, just confirming our showing later today. And they're like, Oh, I had something come up and it's like, ah, lost them. So I don't, if it's a 
three or four days out, which every once in a while you get a call on like a Monday or Tuesday and it's for a Friday or Saturday showing, I will message them the morning of just to make sure. I mean, obviously I don't want to waste any of my time and, and a friendly reminder is obviously generally not going to hurt, but yeah, that's, uh, for the most part, no, I give them my information so they have it. And I just kind of, I assume if they do want to cancel, they'll reach out and let me know, which has happened here and there. But, uh, yeah. How much do you get ghosted? Almost never. I think one time in the entire time that I've been doing this and it was, it wasn't like a, it wasn't an intentional. They just, they forgot about the appointment. I called them and then, uh, we set it up for a different time, but I don't come across most of the folks are easy to deal with. Um, that's one of the things I like about it. Like it just, it seems to be decent quality leads for the most part, obviously in sales, like you cannot avoid those situations, but most of the time I think the folks intent is pretty genuine. Um, and as long as you're genuine on the phone and honest and upfront, I think you get the same thing out of people. And, and so that's really just what I try to do. Okay. Super simple. Love it. Um, another day we'll talk about, um, what happens when you don't get that appointment right away. Yeah. Another time. But right now, <laughs> Christian. End of 2024, because that's what I'm working on for the next year. Okay, perfect. Yeah, dude. And next time I talk to you, you're going to have this like lead manager in place. You're going to have yeah. all, everyone's digging into your CRM and scooping up all of this money. Yep. Ethan, it'll be great. <laughs> um, okay, but the last thing before we wrap up is, you know, we ask guests to provide a tool for our toolkit, which if you've never been listeners, it's realestaterockstarsnetwork.com go and get your tool, which Christian submitted a budget spreadsheet for us, Mr. Super Nerd in his Excel. Love it. <laughs> um, can you talk us through why, why do you, why this budget? How is it important to you? Hit us. Um, <clears throat> okay. So uh, I think regardless of what your ad spend is and, and who knows, maybe not, maybe some folks don't need to track it. I guess maybe if you're just working off a sphere and you don't have any outgoing expenses, except for your uh, you know, maybe association dues, it's not a huge deal to you. But uh, in my opinion, if you're not tracking every cent that goes out, as far as your business is concerned, you're probably losing money in some way, shape or form. Um, even if it's just a subscription that you signed up for two years ago, and you never use it again, and you, but you've been paying it on for two years, and I think there's no reason to waste that money. So uh, I do think when it comes to spending larger amounts of money, it's important to pay attention to those things, not only for understanding what your profitability is for that specific lead flow, um, but just understanding what your profitability is uh, for your business as a whole. So I track everything. Uh, the spreadsheet is super, super simple. Um, <clears throat> it's got across the top months of the year, it's got a total tally at the end on the right-hand side. And then it's got wages, expenses. If you've got employees, uh, a big section in the middle that you can use to track everything, super key cost. Uh, you know, are you paying for Microsoft? Uh, you know, you're paying for Excel on your computer. If you're, if you're set up for Microsoft office, like those are all, first of all, they're all tax write-offs. So if you're not tracking them and you're not writing them off in your taxes, you're losing money again. Um, but you can add in as many lines as you want, track those things. And it gives you a breakdown at the bottom. It shows what your monthly profit loss is, which I think is always an interesting thing to look at, especially in real estate, because it's not always, you know, it's not $10,000 each month. You know, sometimes it's, you know, hey, I lost five grand last month, but I made 60 the following. Like, great. So it tracks monthly, which I think is a good thing just to understand, you know, ebbs and flows in your business. Um, but then at the end, it also tracks your, your running tally for the year. So you know what your profit and loss is for the year. Um, and then it's got a tab. Second tab goes over, <clears throat> uh, cost for listings. I think a lot of folks ignore, you know, the amount of money it takes to put a house on the market. And those are all tax write-offs, but they all eat into your profitability. And so understanding, what you're making on an average listing or what you're spending on an average listing uh, is a very good thing to understand. And then the last tab, I just threw that on there. It is a way to figure out what your cost per lead is uh, and kind of break down whether or not a lead source is profitable. So you can, uh, <clears throat> it's pretty self-explanatory. The directions are all in there, but yes, I'm not a real, uh, I don't generally geek out over numbers, but when it comes to my business, it is the one place that, uh, like down to the penny, I want to know what's coming in and what's going out. 
Duh. Yeah. Same. Always. <laughs> yeah. And this is a really cool, I've seen a lot of budget spreadsheets um, over the years and I, I love me some formulas, which they're all in there. You have a lot of examples of what costs people should be considering. Cause a lot of times people even want to, I want to track all my costs and then they forget about all of, <laughs> you know, the different things that should go in there. So you already listed, yeah. you know, a lot of them. Um, but okay. So at this point, we're going to head up into wrap up questions. So Christian, what is something cool that you've learned recently? Something good that I've learned recently. Um, can be business or life, whatever you want. You can't do it all on your own, uh, that you need help. <laughs> that is, um, I would say that you can't do it all on your own. You need some help. It's taken me a long time to come to terms with the fact that, uh, maybe I'm not good or great at everything and, and finding somebody else to take over those things. I, I think it's a concept that I've for a long time uh, fought. I'm definitely more of a, um, you know, do things myself Doer. because I know if yeah. I do them myself, I'm going to do them the right way. Uh, <clears throat> and I'm starting to understand that that's, that doesn't actually pencil out all the time. That's a good one. I have a, um, I recently just, you know, there's a million different VA companies out there. I um, recently found one that I really like and I've having a really good experience with it. So I'll send you their contact information after this. I was going to say, Okay. Wrap up question number two, what events are you going to in the next 12 months? So uh, real estate rockstars mastermind in March of 24. Um, and that will be, probably be my only event. I'm not a big event guy. It took, I mean, we met the first day at the event last year and, uh, it definitely, I'm, I'm just not a big, huge social crowd person. So, uh, you know, you guys threw me to the wolves the first day and, and made me do some public speaking, but, um, I thought that was a <laughs> phenomenal, like find your, find your crew, find those, the, 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 find that group of people that you resonate with, uh, you know, no matter what it is and, and, and really lock into that. And that's, the real estate rockstars mastermind was that for me. It was, it was just an incredible experience. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll be going to any huge seminars. Like if there's over a hundred people, I'm probably out, but yeah, <laughs> but the real Dude. estate rockstars mastermind was fantastic. It is. It's the best. I freaking love it. And I do remember that this year, you're not going to choose to sit at my table. This is what happened. Listeners, we, <laughs> they have these round tables <laughs> and like, you know, Aaron, of course, starts it off like, you know, we're, this is our to grow and be vulnerable and share all these things. And so Christian, like, I think we were sitting next to each other and he like yep. turns to me and he's like, you know, I really don't like, you know, being in the spotlight or whatever. And then two seconds later, Aaron's like, please make us someone from your table, be the spokesperson and like come up and speak on behalf. And I was like, it's Christian. And he's like, I'm never I'd telling go. you a secret again. No, no more secrets. I'm going to get coffee. I was just like, Oh, great morning. This is going to be so relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> it was it's definitely, like, uh, it was good. Catch, bitch. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Where can people find you in your business? Christian listeners are like, I would like to get into Zillow. I want to bounce my ideas off of Christian. I want to be Christian when I grow up. Where can they get in touch with you? You don't want to be me. <laughs> um, <laughs> the beard, though. Just call me. So uh, <laughs> anybody is, uh, and this is like anybody that has questions about it, if you're thinking about spending some money, I'm happy to talk through the process. Uh, my phone number, uh, 208-800-1779. Um, just give me a call. I spend an hour on the phone with you, two hours on the phone with you, whatever it takes to... Um, whatever it takes to help build that, that confidence or that comfortability with spending the money. Um, I had plenty of people that did that for me and it, it, it definitely was a, a big reason for me getting into it and, and being able to have the success uh, that I have had with it. And so uh, I want that for anybody that's interested, please feel free to call <clears throat> anytime. Perfect. And Christian, I know you're not big on the social media, but sometimes your wife posts for you and where should they go if they want to see pictures that your <laughs> wife posts of you? Um, Instagram. So at underscore Christian Koenig. So Christian, uh, last name is K-O-E-N-I-G. And yeah, you'll see, uh, you'll see a bunch of stuff that my wife has posted. So if you want to see kids and, and, you know, see me dressed up in a bluey costume for Halloween for my two-year-old, then you know, that's See? the spot to do it. <laughs> it's the personal touches though. People want that. They really do. Yes, um, absolutely. 
And okay, guys, that is all we have for today. Um, listeners, you know this, but please hit us with feedback. Like shoot me a DM, shoot Aaron a DM um, on Instagram. I'm the Shelby Show. Aaron is Aaron Amuchastegui. And I want to know, you know, what you like, what you don't like. Um, all feedback is taken very seriously and implemented. And that, that's how we get amazing guests like Christian on the show. So Christian, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, perfect. And Real Estate Rockstars, thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>